Hello and welcome to Braveheart Conversations, where we learn the art of love through brave and compassionate conversations. I'm Jillian Aurora. And I'm Marie Wallace. And we are your hosts today. Okay, so this morning, uh, we are here with you today with Braveheart Conversations. I am Jillian Aurora and my co-host is Marie Wallace. Hi guys. And today we're going to be talking about rebuilding trust. I just want to thank you wherever you are joining us from, whether you're here every week on Facebook Lives or you find us on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, wherever you are listening. Thank you so much. Um, All right, so today, rebuilding trust. This was a request that we had. So... Last week, we talked about not compromising our values, and so I really think this is a great follow-up because the question that I get a lot is, well, you're such a hard ass about all these boundaries. Do you even believe in relationships working out? (laughs) I don't know if you get this one as well. Oh, I do, actually. (laughs) (laughs) This is a really common question I get um, because we live in this illusion that says if you have boundaries and standards, you will be alone. Mm -hmm. right it's unrealistic um and so you must compromise and you must put up with some bullshit in order to have relationships in your life and i have found that to be a huge myth that we've bought into Mm -hmm. and um so what is important to know right is when to forgive and rebuild trust and when to not when to give up and to say there's no more hope in this and i'm gonna let it end i'm gonna let it die because it's it's wanting to die right Mm -hmm. so knowing when that time is is tricky Mm -hmm. and of course there are times to forgive and to decide we're gonna rebuild trust right i'm not perfect you're not perfect nobody's perfect i am sometimes (laughs) no So, of course, there are times where it's appropriate, you know, I I really appreciate when someone gives me grace, mm-hmm. right? And someone says, hey, you know, this is not really honoring, and then I get the chance to correct it, right? Yeah. So there gets to be some of that. So this is a really common question that comes up, so I'm really glad that it was pitched last week. So, um when to rebuild trust so the elements of trust are really important we've talked about braving before Mm -hmm. which is that's my favorite um anatomy of trust by brene brown and i use it very frequently so one thing i really advocate for is relationship check-ins not when something has happened (laughs) but before something has happened i really really believe in having Uh, relationship check-ins regularly so if it's once a week every other week once a month whatever works for you but having a regular time when it's not based in a problem but it's just a check-in and they're trust check-ins or braving Mm check-ins and um, so really quickly I'll just run through that sure Um, acronym so braving stands for B which is boundaries so we both can say what we want and what we need and Mm -hmm. we are both acknowledged and heard R is reliability so I say whatever I say I'm gonna do I do I follow through Um, A is accountability so it means I make amends I am accountable for the wrongs that I've done I will admit readily and I will make amends 
V is vault. And that's just saying, I'm going to keep in confidence what you've shared in confidence with me. And this not only goes for your partner, but um, if you're gossiping to your partner about other people that have shared in confidence with you, this is also eroding trust. So vault is really important. Um, I is integrity. It means I choose to do the right thing over what is fun, fast, or easy. Yes. Um, so when I see my partner doing that, that also builds trust. Um, N is non-judgment. So non-judgment means that there's no judgment if I need help or you need help. Um, and then G is one of my favorites, which is generous assumptions, that we assume the best of each other. Um, so if there's something in question, our go-to gets to be, oh, I bet they just, you know, yes. forgot, or it's, you know, it's not an immediate, um, faulting them for something. Mm -hmm. So that's the... Just believing the best in people. Believing the best, yeah. Mm -hmm. And believing the best of your partner. That goes a really exactly. long way. Um, now, I, what I'm not saying in generous assumptions is if there has been a long pattern of <laughs> mistreatment. <laughs> yes. Um, sometimes we're really quick to give hope where it really is not deserved. Um, so anyway, that's the rundown of braving. I very much advocate for braving check-ins and building that trust on a regular basis. It also helps with communication, having those regular check-ins, you know, you, you're seeking understanding of your partner. So it does over time that, that check-in helps you build the trust, but mm -hmm. it also is helpful for misunderstandings. So you just get that regular time with each other. That's very important. Very, very important. Yeah. So I really believe in check-ins that are not based in, that's not rebuilding trust. That's no. just building trust period right. all the time. Right. Um, if we're, if we're focused on rebuilding, then we're that's really, what I meant was building. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're really focused on, um, reaction mm -hmm. and damage control instead mm -hmm. of really building a foundation. So I, I do want to talk a little bit about it that. It makes that con difficult conversations easier too. So much easier. If mm -hmm. you already have a foundation of understanding, that's, that's going to go a lot smoother for you. Um, so braving is huge. Um, I also Thank want, you. yeah. Hi guys. Thank you so much for being here with us. Um, Okay, so rebuilding, when not to rebuild trust and when to do that. So I just finished a book, it was phenomenal, called um, Necessary Endings by mm. Dr. Henry Cloud. And he's the same person that wrote Boundaries. Um, so really, really great author. And one thing he talked about that really struck me was the usefulness of hopelessness. Mm. And I had never really thought about it that way. That is an interesting thought. That, um, you know, I have always perceived hopelessness as a bad thing. It sort of pushes you to, to make a choice. Sometimes it's good to get hopeless. So um, one of the examples that he used was um, Samsung was pitched an offer to go digital with their phone service. And they didn't want to do that because they were already a successful company. And... Um, they already had a good reputation. They were solid. Well, because they didn't get hopeless about the previous, you know, your old flip phone, they didn't get hopeless about that, the direction of that and the profitability of that product. 
they didn't give up on that so then therefore they were left in the dust and other companies did take the digital idea and now you know we all use smartphones so um that's one example of getting hopeless so getting not getting hopeless blocks you from bringing in the other new things new people new relationships new, new possibilities jobs. yeah yeah so if we get too stuck in having hope for things where we really could benefit from being hopeless it can really damage us hold us back and not allow us to grow right mm -hmm. right so when we talk about rebuilding trust rebuilding trust and hope really go together so when we give someone the opportunity to rebuild hope we have or when we give them the opportunity to rebuild trust we are saying we have hope in that relationship does that make mm -hmm. sense it sure does yeah so um some of the things that are important to acknowledge is my experience with rebuilding trust was um you just need to forgive and forget and we'll just move forward and forget about the past <laughs> so in that particular uh in that particular uh, arena what i was being asked to do was to shoulder the entire burden of rebuilding trust it was solely on me to just forgive and forget and let's just move forward in true and rebuilding, you're also taking all the responsibility and the other person hasn't right yeah right so in true trust building the recipe what's important is that you have both people interested and invested in rebuilding that trust so there is forgiveness on one part and saying yes we're gonna try again and I'm willing to uh, put the past behind me and then the other person is also invested they're invested in saying I know I did something wrong here are the action steps that I'm taking and my commitments that I'm taking to do something different and then their actions follow that mm -hmm. so if you don't have those all of those ingredients then it is time to give up trust if you're the only one responsible and expected to just forgive and forget that is not trust building nope um, and I remember it used to really um, I used to feel so sad when my partner would say well you just need to uh, you just need to trust me more or you just need to stop fearing me or you I don't want to be someone with uh, well, then we someone. feel we're bad people for not trusting them or yes. not letting it go. Yes, and yeah. trust isn't something that you can just force yourself to have. <laughs> so this is a big distinction for me. Love is unconditional, but trust is earned. So trust gets to be built. It's not something that I can just flip a switch and say, yeah, I trust you. Because intuitively, we already are built. We already know not to do that. Sure. We are built to... Uh, keep track of patterns and to see intuitively when something is dangerous. It's a warning. <laughs> it's a warning. So it's not something that we want to shut off. It's something that we get to listen to. And it doesn't mean that we don't rebuild trust. It means we get to acknowledge if there's actually probability of change. Mm -hmm. Is there actually action behind um, the words that are being said, the commitments that are being said? So what's your experience with rebuilding trust do you feel like that's been difficult to know when should i offer another chance when should i know 
to rebuild or? Well, I think early on it was a little difficult because it, we're going back to that good girl syndrome yeah. and I would feel bad about it. However, there's a, a part in me that owns that. Um, I have seen this pattern. What is the likelihood? Um, especially with someone who has an addiction problem, you, you get to see that pattern over and over again and you're going, you know what, nothing's changing here. Mm -hmm. And as difficult as it is to say goodbye, you know that in the end that's the most loving, kind thing that you could do for either of you. You just know that there's not a... I think hopelessness is part of it, but I also think you recognize, it, like you said, it's built inside, so we would recognize when it's appropriate that the response that we're receiving or the boundary that we've created you know, th there's no action behind it. You just have to let it go. And it, it's, yeah. it hurts and it's difficult, but it's also that indicator that nothing's changing. So if you don't see a pattern actually changing, and we're also honoring them by asking them to honor their word. Yeah. When, and, and they may, so one of the things that one of our friends, our mutual friends, Misty da, talks about is some people don't have the will or the skill to honor those steps that they are we are asking them to create you know that, so they may be able to but it's possible that they don't have the will or the skill to be able to grant that action step excuse me that they yeah. asked that we're asking him to give yeah and I think one of the things I see women struggle with a lot is that they think because someone isn't capable, then they should just um, try harder. <laughs> well, they just relinquish their standards. Mm. They just lower their standards because they're like, well, this person can't meet my standards, so I'm just gonna lower them. Yeah, and um, I really want women to hear this: that you you do, you're not obligated to lower your standards just because someone can't meet them. Um, it's okay if people can't meet your standards. It just isn't a fit for you. It's not that they're bad. It's not that there's anything wrong with you. It's it's just acknowledging the reality that this person isn't capable of meeting these standards, and mm -hmm. I still deserve these standards. I still deserve mm -hmm. to be treated with respect. I still deserve to be treated like I have my basic human rights. Mm -hmm. um, so even if someone is struggling with, you know, addiction or alcoholism, you know, those are really common things that end up rendering people incapable of offering basic human respect and dignity. And you're not obligated to put up with that just because that's where they're at. So um, honestly, that's that's something that they're struggling with respect and dignity for themselves. It is. And so it's very difficult for them to give it to you when they, they aren't able to honor that request for themselves. Well, their capacity to love you is directly linked to their capacity to, to love, love themselves. themselves. They can't love you more than they love themselves. So if you're seeing them destroying themselves, just know that's their capacity. They're not able to love you any better than that, uh, which is hard news to hear, but it is, it's really true. Um, all right. I had a thought and it just left me. <laughs> so that's the side of when not to. How about when to? When when it's okay to start rebuilding trust. Yeah, okay. So this brings me back to that um, hopelessness recipe. Like mm. like how when to have hope, when not to have hope. Um, and, and this was a really easy um, assessment to make. So there's two things that are involved in hope. 
One is the desire or the wish for something to change. Mm -hmm. And then the second one is the means, the probability that it's going to happen. So very often we continue having hope only based on one. You know, I have a desire for this to change, so I'm just going to keep hoping and hoping and hoping. (laughs) But is there action behind it? So this is really key, and it gives us some very objective ways to see, like, is hope a good option here? So I like to think of a credit score in this way. So if you apply for a loan, they don't say, well, I know that you desire to pay me back. (laughs) Yeah, they're looking at results, man. (laughs) They look at your credit score. They look at your history and they say, okay, you have a pattern of not paying your bills. You're a risk. I'm not going to trust you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they're basing that hope and that trust on what your behavior has been. Not on what your wish is, because you could be so genuine, I really want to pay you back, and I'm fully committed. Well, what have you done with your past commitments? That's a really, really big indicator about whether you're going to follow through with your future commitments. Mm. Now, is that a forever done deal? No. In six months, if you apply to the same lender and you've improved your credit score, they have no issue giving you a loan. Mm-hmm. Um So we get to look at hope in the same way. What has your track record been? Um, And if you truly are committed to change, what are you doing differently? If you have a really shitty credit score, what are you going to do differently? Are you just going to try harder? Because that's probably not going to (laughs) work. Probably not. You probably need to, you're going to get to get some skills, right? You're going to maybe take a course. Maybe you need a third party to come in and intervene. Maybe you'll get a financial advisor. Maybe you will read a bunch of books. Maybe you'll, you'll do the things needed to get yourself out of the rut that you're in. Um, nothing changes and nothing changes. So, um, when I see, you know, a lot of the women I work with struggle with partners with addiction. Well, um, they can be so genuine. I'm going to change. I'm going to stop. I'm going to all the things. The proof is in the pudding. What are they doing? So when I see someone, because I have seen addicts and alcoholics really, really interested in change. And you know what I see? I see them you know, going to meetings every day and getting a sponsor and like always on the phone with their sponsor or getting into counseling or reading books about addiction or um, getting into courses or having mentors, people that they can rely on. They're changing their friends. They're changing their environment. They are serious. And they don't need somebody else to tell them to do that. They do it themselves. Exactly. They're invested. So... That's a huge key. What do you see them doing? What are the action steps that are changing? And how invested are they in making the changes? So very often what I see is the women I work with are the driving force. Yeah, I, and I want to I address the other side too. Examine your reasons for keeping mm-hmm. that relationship around because a lot of times what we're doing is we're compromising This also goes back to what we talked about last time. We're compromising because our value of wanting someone in the warm next to us, Mm -hmm. it supersedes and we're willing to compromise or hope things get better because we're worried about 
the security of having someone with us. So we have to examine our own motivations too. Why am I offering this person another chance? Is it because I truly see results? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, in this case, I'm the lender, I'm the credit person. Am I offering this loan yep. because I wanna be a nice person or is it because I'm actually seeing results in this person and they are doing all the steps necessary to change the outcome? And if they're not, I have to really examine my motivations for lending this, this hope out again um, to, Anyway, I know I've been there and I've seen that and it doesn't matter how much that other person wants to be there. If the results are the same, you're just causing yourself more heartache. Um, You know, back to the will or the skill, they may not have the skill, but if you're seeing Mm -hmm. that, let's talk about addiction because I've been in several relationships where they go, I really want to make this work. Well, when you show up at my house at three o'clock in the morning and you're wasted, well, that may not be an indicator (laughs) Um, or you're not going to the meetings or whatever it is that you you're honoring yourself that you say you will do. Will there be moments where you're not perfect? Yes, we get that and we understand that. But again, what are you? What are the steps you're actually taking and making? Yes. So, just honoring yourself when, when you're the person offering the hope out. Honoring yourself and and really taking an honest look at why. Because mm-hmm. sometimes we're we are not honest with ourselves about our reasons for keeping that person in our our life yeah and I I really um, I think this goes back to that myth we so believe like the biggest fears that I see come up is if I have boundaries I'm gonna be alone mm. oh yeah you're right back to the beginning <laughs> and you might have a period of being alone because you may lose the relationships around you that don't honor your boundaries but you will never be able to invite the people that do honor your boundaries into your space until you've cleared that space of the people who don't so I can tell you only my personal experience, which is that I, I have held really strong boundaries, more and more and more strong boundaries, um, because I do see the results that I do let go of some people, but the people that I invite in after are like the, the level that they operate at is so much different. And I get to have like full respect full love and appreciation all the time because that is what I am available for. That's the only thing I'm available in my space anymore. I'm not available for any relationships that dishonor me and disrespect me, dismiss my feelings, demean me. That is just not Um, Once you've had it, you can't go back. You can't unknow what you You can't unknow it. Once you've felt that relationship with anyone where there's honor and respect and you just can't accept it anywhere else, it's just a a done deal. (laughs) It is. It is. So let that be an encouragement to anyone Mm -hmm. who is fearing that if I have boundaries, then I'm going to be alone. It's just, it's the biggest lie that I ever bought into. And I'm really grateful that I was willing to take the leap and to say, no, I'm going to go ahead and have these standards. And some people say, you know, well, how dare you? You can't expect perfection. I'm not expecting perfection. Mm -hmm. I'm expecting basic respect. And what I feel like many women especially have done is for so long in history, we have had to deal with disrespect 
and we haven't had the freedom to release people that didn't hold that level of honor for us. And so it's like a very foreign idea now mm -hmm. to say, well, I can have that and actually operate in that freedom. So it's not about um, not being willing to forgive and accept amends and rebuild trust. That's totally like, yes, do those things. But if you don't see the behavior lining up and the action behind that, you're free to let those people go. You don't have to keep trying and and putting yourself in a miserable situation over and over. And you're not going to be alone. Like there's a lot of people who are willing to offer yourself or offer you respect. And a big thing that helped me with that is knowing. You know, I offer people respect. I don't belittle people and demean people. And that's not a stretch for me. That's not a hard thing for mm -hmm. me. So to then realize and acknowledge that there's other people out there like me that just hold that basic level of dignity and respect, it's actually not that hard to no. think. Well, I also want to talk about families. Yeah, do it. Because families, sometimes we think we give them an overextending grace sometimes because they're our family. And um, I've seen that many times with people that I work with who, but they're, that's my mom or that's my brother or that. And they give them this grace of um, dishonor, right? I And... And it's just such an unhealthy relationship. So just because they're they're family now, I I have a wonderful family, and I feel really good about that. All I'm saying is that they will come around, and if they don't, um, so just backing up just a little bit because I kind of went ahead of myself. If you find that they are dishonoring to you, it it is okay to set a boundary. It doesn't mean anything except that maybe I won't engage with you as much, or maybe it doesn't. Ha it like you said early on, it's still an unconditional love. I still love you and appreciate you and honor you, but in this space, this is what I allow, and very easily. And, and I've had it happen in my own life where I've had to let some people go. And they came back in my space because then they understood to be in this space. And, and a lot of times you say it feels like you're being snotty and you're not. You're just, it, you're happy. You, you feel and ex experience this level of happiness because you've only allowed this kind of respect and honor in your space. And and you're just not tolerating. I think that's what we get to. We get complacent or tolerant mm -hmm. or um, that unending uh, grace. Well, it's not really grace. It's more, um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. We think it's grace because we've been told to give grace mm -hmm. and forgiveness to to our families especially, and I'm not saying anything about, about anyone's family, I'm just saying sometimes we overextend. It's exceptions. Exceptions, we have exceptions, mm. yeah. Yeah, no, I've seen that a lot. Because they're my child, because they're my mom, because they're my spouse, like then they have this exception to um, having to respect me, which it's like, no, like they're the most People, you know, they should they're have in the your most space most often. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people also think, well, boundaries means just cutting people out of your life. It's very black and white. No. That's not the case at all. So 
Um, if you do decide your trust has been broken over and over and there hasn't been reparations made and there isn't investment in, in change, then you do get to adapt that relationship. I like the quote, um, you can either adapt your boundaries to someone's disrespect or you can adapt your relationship to your boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. There's, you get to choose and I choose to adapt my relationships to my boundaries because I get to have respect. That's just a basic right that I have. And, um, so that doesn't mean giving them up. It means adapting the relationship. So that means, you know, maybe I choose, they aren't allowed in my home because they violated me multiple times in my home. Or maybe I choose not to hang out with them alone because that ends up being treacherous mm -hmm. territory. Or, you know, maybe I choose to only have telephone conversations with them or I always have a third party present or I only email. Like there's so many different um, ways. It's so much room on the scale and you get to mm -hmm. decide, you know, how much contact or how much availability and there's so much freedom in saying, oh, I can say no to going to that family reunion. Oh, I can say no to having them in, in my home. Yes, yes. You have the right to deny access to anyone who wants to be in your space. That's the only thing you're entitled to is you. So you get to determine how people access you. That's what boundaries are all about. How do you, what are, what are the requirements to access me? Um, my time, my effort, my, resources. yeah, my resources, my body, my presence, like what is it, uh, what are my re requirements, what are my standards to access me? Um, there's very few things in this world that you're entitled to and your yourself is definitely what you are entitled to. Very often we get it crossed, right? We, we think we're entitled to somebody else and their time and resources and whatever, but we forget that we're entitled to us and that's it. Um, so yeah, you get to determine like how many times has that trust been broken and is there action behind um, their words? If they're telling you they want to rebuild trust, are they doing the things? Are they picking up the book? Are they going to counseling? And who is driving that change? Yeah. Are you the one that's saying, hey, did you go to counseling? Hey, did you... Checking up on... <laughs> you know, that change is driven by you. It's not driven by them. So when I look back on my life, I've been hungry for change. I've always been a seeker, right? I've always had mentors. I've Me always too. had coaches. I've always read books. I've always been in courses like hungry, 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 right? I love it. Um, that's motivated by me. Nobody had to tell me oh man, you really should be reading that or you really should be, you know, nobody's having to push me to do it. That's a big indicator. So if your partner or person that you're trying to rebuild trust with is not hungry and not taking the steps, you're spinning your wheels and you're giving a lot of energy to someone who is really not in the place to receive that. If they aren't hungry for it, like, Everything else will break down. It, it, it all must hinge on what our desire is. If my desire is to learn and grow, there's nothing in the world that can stop that. If Marie has a desire to learn Which and grow, I do, yeah. there's nothing that can stop that. And so um, it doesn't matter what you're doing or not doing. If your partner wants it, they're going to get it. And if 
you're the one having to do all the driving and change, it's a big red flag. And, and perhaps this person has not earned your trust. Perhaps it goes back to the will or skill. They may not have the will or the skill. And that's, that's the indicator is where, where are they at? And being really honest with yourself about that. And this is really not about making them a bad person. Somebody who doesn't take the steps to rebuild trust with you, we're not saying they're a bad person. They can still be a really good person and it can still be apparent that your your paths are are different yeah and it's okay to release someone and to still say i love you and i still respect me enough that i get to see that this is going nowhere this is going nowhere and i'm lugging around dead weight right i'm lugging around something that is begging to die to be released there's seasons right we're not in perpetual harvest. <laughs> we have seasons for harvest and winter when things die, right? And, um, and new life. We have those seasons and we get to acknowledge them. So acknowledging an ending, a fall and a winter, is not a bad thing. It's okay. So if someone's behavior is telling you that this relationship is just not going to be an honoring relationship anymore, it's okay to acknowledge that that is an ending, that it's something that um, is a season that you get to celebrate what happened in that relationship and then you get to release it in love because what honors you also honors everyone else. So, Well, I want to talk a little back, back to the metaphor of the seasons because mm -hmm. even when you, let's talk about gardens, right? When you have a garden and you have something sucking all the life out, you cut it back so yes. that it can grow and flourish. And what you might be doing is also allowing them to grow and flourish. Maybe that, sometimes that relationship doesn't, uh, the reason the season's over for it is because it's not. You, neither one of you are growing or or um, flourishing in that moment and it is time for something different or new but you have to cut back and even though like I know for me when I'm working in my garden sometimes it's painful to cut some of those things back and you're going oh I don't want to do this and it always comes back bigger yeah. and brighter and it grows even more so and so just using that metaphor we don't want to leave you hopeless here because that's not our intention but there are times when you have to let go and let and see what happens on that. And sometimes your garden really flourishes from letting and honoring those things to go because then you have more room and space for you to fill up and to grow more. So you've probably reached the end of that particular. Yeah, I love that, you know, pruning. I'm a huge gardener. Yeah. And, yeah pruning is really, really healthy and necessary. Anybody that grows plants knows that um yeah even cutting off sometimes healthy things um cutting off uh dead and dying for sure cutting off things that are growing in a different direction than you want them to go like that can be really healthy for a plant um, one of the books that i read recently was called the pumpkin plan and it's actually a business book but i loved the analogy because 
what they talk about is the people that grow the really, really gigantic pumpkins that are like oh, yeah. insane. Um, the way that they do that is they cut off all the other pumpkins on the vine and they only have the one pumpkin. That well, yeah, that it can really. Right. So then all <laughs> of the resources from that vine are going straight to that one pumpkin. And that's such a... Um, a key lesson because I know for me I've often had too many pumpkins on my vine. Mm -hmm. I try to keep everything alive and sometimes the best thing to do is release a couple of the small ones that yeah, are because they then passion. they can grow bigger <laughs> and, and feed all that nourishment into you know when you let go of something that's dead and dying you're pouring life into things that really want the life they're hungry for life right so when when you put your hope into what is really wanting to flourish and live, like that's where I want to put my hope. I don't mm -hmm. want to breathe life into something continually that really wants to die. So it goes back to the word focus. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the death or the growing and the, the living too? Yeah. Yeah. So rebuild trust where uh, both people are invested in building trust and let there be action behind people's words in building that trust and um yeah forgive always forgive it's not a matter of not forgiving forgiving just really is empowering to you mm -hmm. yep it, it's practicing radical radical acceptance this is where they are and it's okay and um, this may or may not work for me still and that's okay um, so that radical acceptance of what is, is really important. So um, I don't think I saw any questions. No. Pretty good conversation again. Yeah. yeah, this was a really great conversation. I We always um, love any of the questions that you give us. In fact, this podcast today was birthed out of a request. So please uh, let me know if you have any topic requests. We'd love to hear them. If you have... Um, any questions that come up like, well, that didn't quite make sense. Or if you want to challenge something that we've talked about, please do that. Argue or topics you want to explore. Yep. We, we love that. <laughs> or personal challenges. We would love to hear from you. If you have something you'd like to share anonymous, well, anonymously, if I can get that <laughs> word out. <laughs> That's a tough word. Um, yeah, like please share any of those thoughts with us. You can reach me privately at defytheaverage at gmail.com or Marie. Marie at mariesgold.com. And of course, you can also follow us on our Facebook group page. And there you can start discussions or join in um, on conversations or see any of our past episodes. And you can find that page at facebook.com slash groups slash braveheartconversations. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up. We love you all very much and can't wait to see you next week. No. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Bye-bye.